You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. You have arrived at your destination. So how are you all holding up? I, I, let's just jump in. I don't know. I don't have any planned uh, introductions. Let's uh, we'll we'll welcome to them to the podcast at some point. But how, you will how? you will find that this, this uh, <laughs> uh, we 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 did a crossover with your 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 friend Matt. Yeah. Yes. And he was very surprised to find that um, we have zero plan. Yes. Um, this is so thrown together yes. every episode. That's, that's great. Mm-hmm. I um, love that. I um <clears throat> yeah I wish I wish I could get away with with doing that. I think that there's kind of a a genius in being able to do that and still sound somewhat competent and professional sure. and I am not able to do that. So mm-hmm. I have to Whenever I have a guest on, I have to read their entire book. I have yeah. to make notes. I have to come up with a bullet list like sure. it's crazy yeah and i think i think we know sort of what we're doing and we know how to feel it out when it's just the two of us but since this isn't isn't typically a guest show except in special occasions we're just like oh man this other person what what on earth do we do now so (laughs) you know um but uh but all that to say welcome welcome to this show steven and i guess technically thank you for having us on your show as well yes of course (laughs) it's my pleasure yeah so this is airing on both shows yeah on common creatives and sacred tension yeah so absolutely yes and you are part of the rock candy podcast network we um, are which matt langston and i co-lead yeah it's like a little it's like a a little degenerate circus troupe of podcasters (laughs) Yeah, we're very happy to be a part of it. We uh, yeah, which makes sense as to why you'd be interested in our yeah, show. Right? <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Gay yep. satanic yes. unicorns is like the theme. J- just of, yes, across the, the board aesthetic to all of that. the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do. I do have to say, I, I really am appreciative of you coming on the show, and I'm a big fan of your stuff and your work. So uh, I'm excited to I do this together. That. So yeah, yeah absolutely. I'll, I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, Will, but sure. uh, I think, wasn't it Stephen's show that you found first and that's how you kind of got linked up? Oh, yeah, um, it absolutely yeah. was. I was listening to a show, um, a satanic podcast out of uh, the Bay Area called uh, Black Mass Appeal that I listened to a lot. Um, and I think they're Stephen, great. Yeah, they're wonderful. And, and you wonderful. guessed it on there, Stephen. Um, and it was a great episode and, and you were talking through it and I was like, man, I got I to gotta look this up. This dude's got his own <laughs> podcast. And so then, uh, yeah. And so then, uh, oh, the music on that's by 77. I, I've heard of them, like, you know. And so yeah, I think that's this that, whole interesting little... Super interesting because you know we used to play in a band that crossed pat crossed crossed yeah. crossed paths with uh, Matt's band a lot. Sure. Yeah. Um, so so just for context for people who have no idea what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. So Matt Langston mentioned just a minute ago his band is Eleven D Seven, which is kind of a former Christian pop punk synth yeah. band. And uh, just recently left the Christian music industry, and he's been very vocal about that whole process. And he started Rock Candy Recordings, and then he and I started Rock Candy Podcasts together yeah. as kind of a, an offshoot of Rock Candy Recordings. Yeah, so it, it is a very weird mix of 
people because it's like synth pop mm-hmm. post evangelical <laughs> with Matt and then Satan yeah. with me. Yeah. Uh gay Satan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then of course we have Peterson Toscano on board who yeah. who does climate activism and uh LGBT activism and biblical scholarship. And yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, it's it's, it's so interesting to me that uh it's wonderful that the that the the network has kind of a following and there are people who all of those like myself who all of those little bits kind of kind of work you know i'm like actually yeah. converge yeah. they really do <laughs> exactly it's a very very niche group exactly. we will probably never be a large network because of that but that's okay we've found our people found our and people. that is what matters exactly exactly <laughs> well do you guys want to jump in and talk about what we're talking about and do yes, some let's do, do some digging yeah so um what we are talking about today is uh house of the devil which is a film that uh, that when I reached out and asked if if you wanted to guest or you want to do a collaboration, Stephen, uh, you brought this film up, and this film is a favorite of mine, uh, mm-hmm. and I know that Joe's super into it. We were already considering the possibility, and we probably will in the future, of doing a Ty West episode, um, mm-hmm. and so this will be sort of supplemental where we don't have to cover his whole body of work. We can just really dig in uh, yeah. to House of the Devil, so I'm, I'm psyched about that. Yeah, and... In the email you sent me yeah. several days ago, you specifically mentioned satanic sure. media. You know, possi- possibly doing satanic media or something. I was and uh, thought that this would be a great movie from from a a satanic perspective for sure. Yeah, so that's why I brought Absolutely. it up. Absolutely, and it's just a fantastic movie. It is. I rewatched yeah. it today, uh, this afternoon before recording, and I was I don't know. I've seen it several times, and every time I watch it, I feel like I am reminded all over again of how effective and powerful a movie <laughs> it, yeah. it, it really is it yeah. is so it is terrifying it is so <laughs> well done yeah joe what was your uh first sort of exposure to this film or <clears throat> ty west you in know, general? i i actually think that we watched it together the first time oh okay uh, yeah yeah and this must have been five or six years ago sure um i, I think you know this was one of the first movies you know wait hold on <laughs> tiff, is, tiff is dog training right now there you go uh, she she speaks very like we have two uh reactive dogs and um she's been very into we've been very into um kind of positive reinforcement and that kind of thing so she's oh uh, that's so sweet yeah we, so uh, much better than so many human parents <laughs> <laughs> with, with human yeah. children yeah. um so uh, periodically you might hear that and i hope uh will will decide whether or not and uh will normally edits these episodes on our end i'm okay. I'm actually i'm the audio engineer and when we started this i'm like well yeah but will you edit it he's like yeah i'll learn how to edit whatever <laughs> and uh i actually am, am halfway through editing uh the 11 life episode and man do i hate myself right <laughs> god oh, oh you mean like uh, listening to your own voice and, and yeah, yeah like yeah, trying sure. to make my like I am like, especially right now, like super like thinking of like how I'm putting words together. Yeah. I'm yeah, saying, yeah. um, I stuttering <laughs> and it's, uh, anyway, it's excruciating. But, it's yeah. really excruciating. And <sighs> I've just learned to just forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I yeah. just don't care how I, yeah. I've gotten to the point where I don't care how I sound on the internet. And gotcha. I, I try to speak 
coherently, but I'm really not a coherent speaker. Like when I listen to myself unedited, it is excruciating. And so I feel like all my listeners are are now actually hearing how mm. how incomprehensible I am when I when I don't have the audio yeah. equivalent of an Instagram filter to put over myself. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's one of those things where you start to notice little verbal ticks that probably everyone else like when I listen to your I've listened to a couple of your unedited uh, episodes or one and a half or so and and you know, I don't know I don't notice anything that I'm like, "Oh man, I can't believe he wouldn't cut that out." That's good. Which I'm sure no one else would notice about me, but when I listen back I'm like Oh, I can't believe I said, you know, I, yeah. I did that I just, again. Just got to cut it out. Yeah. So. so I feel, I feel like there will be some sort of mental block just cause I'm like right in the middle of editing <laughs> this thing. And, um, I will just probably like th- overthink everything I'm sure. saying and just, just freeze. Sound, that's fine. Just, I, I just, and I will freeze. Yeah. I'll just yeah, okay. like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> anyway, house of the devil, anyway, Ty West, yeah. Mumblegore. <laughs> um, so I think w- what's so interesting about Ty West in general, I could nerd out about like, his 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 filmography and kind of what got him to making House of the Devil, which sure. is kind of an interesting interesting story to me. Uh-huh. I don't know if you guys will find it as as interesting, but him making this movie the way in which he made it, uh, you know, shooting it on sixteen millimeter yeah. film and and lighting it the way he did and cutting it the way he did and using zooms and all this kind of stuff was kind of the this this start of this new kind of wave of like throwback horror sure if that makes sense yeah yeah Mm. um so right on right before stranger things right so stranger things is is not exactly this it's stranger things is more of a let's bathe in the nostalgia this one honestly feels more like he's actually trying to make a period piece he's trying to recreate it yeah it's like a movie not just set, but made in the yeah. 80s. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's that's the first thing I noticed as I was rewatching this, and I knew that about this film. But, oh, man, it just comes up, and it's just got that such that nice film grain yeah. on it. Oh, just so good. Yeah, just and... Um, <laughs> yeah, so he... Uh, I mean, this film is no um, Cabin Fever 2, right? <laughs> So I have not seen Cabin Fever 2. Okay, most people haven't. Yeah. So Ty West directed Cabin Fever 2. And uh, are you guys familiar with Alan Smithy? No. That's the name that directors try to get put on the title of their movie when a movie has been taken away from them. Oh, like wow. the producers huh. take it away from them in the edit. It's basically not their cut. It's not their intention. So they try and get alan smithy to be put in the titles as the director okay it's like a it's like a thing you know that goes around the industry sure and he couldn't do it so his name is still under that movie so he was approached by i don't i don't even remember the the studio to make cabin fever 2 and of course like anyone's going to be like or any like especially if you're thinking of like house of the devil and the innkeepers and some of the movies this guy's made it's like oh this guy's kind of too cool to make that movie but he was approached to make Cabin Fever 2 uh-huh. with, you can do whatever you want. Sure, sure. And his take was, I'm going to take Cabin Fever, just like Raimi did Evil Dead to Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead was the, I'm trying to make a ridiculous but serious horror movie. And Evil Dead 2 is, I am completely and totally aware of what this is. And I'm going to have fun with it. I'm going to add Three Stooges. I'm going to add comedy. I'm going to add all of these things. So his pitch was, I'm going to make Cabin Fever 2 as if this were Evil Dead 2 and just go super wild and wacky. It's going to be funny. It's going to be all of these things. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be mine. And they're like, yes, please, let's do that. Let's make this movie. And he did. He He turned in his cut of the movie and they said, 
oh god we changed our mind we're gonna we're gonna take it from you we're gonna recut it we're gonna (laughs) fire you and we're gonna try and cut it to feel as much like the original as possible in tone sure which at this point is just long gone because his whole intent was to make a a wacky fun circus version of cabin fever you know just to just to go for it and obviously that's going to be a really difficult thing to take that footage that was cut and make it so he was so burned by the industry like it was almost his out he was like i don't think i can do this anymore and then he was approached by a financier a friend saying hey what about that house of the devil movie we could make it he's like I will make it, but I get final cut. I will probably be like a dictator on this set to get the shots I want. I don't want to shoot any extra coverage if I don't want to. The tone's going to be exactly how I want. And it's like an ultimatum, like either all me or none. And they said, okay. Sure. And that's why the movie is so specific, if that makes sense, and so hard in one direction. Yeah. It could have been a very different movie. So that's my spiel on as to kind of his his journey to making this movie. This movie is totally Ty West then. This is his yes. vision to a T to some degree. Yeah. So like yeah. so do you just know all of this information off of the top of your head <laughs> or pull back or the curtain you, pull back the curtain I'm, joe i'm gonna be <laughs> honest i'm gonna be honest for this movie specifically i didn't really take any notes i'm okay. that much okay. of a nerd all right yeah awesome no yeah. I've, i actually found myself wondering that listening to some of the previous episodes too like <laughs> so did they take notes did they do homework or do they actually just know this sure it's usually it's, com- it's a combination yeah, of both it's usually. a combination okay, of both for sure yeah. um yeah. usually the subjects that i pick are i, I take less notes and vice versa so. yeah totally nice but you picked this one yes i did yeah. well and and the extent of my research for this is a being a satanist <laughs> and b sure watching joe bob briggs version okay. of it on shutter yes that's <laughs> so that's exactly watching, yes. watching his yeah. feature that's what i watched too actually i have Same. i have nice. in my notes I, so i i watched joe bob's commentary for those of you who don't know joe bob briggs is a horror host who gives movie commentary on his show the last drive-in on shutter which is amazing you should check it out yes that said in the opening of joe bob's commentary he calls this film religious horror and for some reason that stuck out to me i know that that something like satanism is involved you know you have symbology i mean it's a very satanic panic movie sure did you all read this like for some reason and this may not go anywhere this may be a cul-de-sac of a conversation but did you all read this movie as religious horror when you saw it the first time i think most horror produced right now is religious horror interesting whether deliberately or not sure i think that most I won't say most. There are some significant exceptions. Sure. But I think maybe most of the popular horror, especially supernatural horror, yeah. is is almost kind of subtle Christian propaganda because it, it has these underlying assumptions of yeah. God is real, sure. evil responds yeah. to Christian symbols. Yeah. And so it's like there's this backdrop of christianity yeah being assumed and yeah. and the backdrop in this movie you know there <laughs> there isn't that you know level of blatant yeah christian uh you know kind of christian backdrop the way there is in say an exorcism movie or what have you yeah yeah but it does have the backdrop of the satanic panic 
but it's more of like a fever dream <laughs> of sure. what Christians <laughs> thought was real. Sure. Right. And, yeah. And it's it's almost more like the witch. You know, the witch yeah. was like a a uh, Robert Eggers. The witch was like this Puritan fever dream yes. of <laughs> the nightmare of yeah. feminism and, yeah. and female sexuality and yes. budding sexuality and all of that. And I feel like that's a very specific genre of getting into the nightmare of a religious group. Yeah. Specifically. Sure. <laughs> Does, no. I don't know. Does that make sense? And, and so I. Yeah. That's what this movie is doing in my mind is it's it's taking someone else's nightmare and putting it on the screen and that particular nightmare is the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s no absolutely i think that makes perfect sense i mean and i think the analogy with the witch is particularly good right because it's like what if you just took this i mean in the case of the witch it's this sort of harsh calvinist puritan theology you know um and here it's the sort of as you said the sort of satanic panic of the 80s 70s and 80s whatever it's it's what if that was real in both those cases you have sort of conspiratorial thinking that builds into sort of social problems for people but but what happens if the mythology the sort of supernatural mythology what happens if those monsters actually are out there you know and i think that makes for fantastic horror and it's and it's uh no i think your your analysis is absolutely right in that sense yeah, so I think Joe Bob is right that this is kind of a religious movie. Sure. Um, just because of the backdrop that it's set against. Yeah. And do we have... So So here's here's a question that, that I'm, I'm thinking right now as we're talking about whether this movie is religious or not. Obviously, this is an homage to the satanic panic. Um, I know that in the one shot where the family, the dead family who presumably actually lives in the house um, is all splayed out and they have a, a sort of pentagram drawn on the floor um, and then they have a pentagram later you have symbology that is associated with sort of satanic imagery and things like that are there is there any language in the script do you all remember no. language in the script about so that? and actually this is something that I was just thinking um, yeah. where it's it's like you can you can come to this movie in two ways you can just come to it as kind of a fantastic horror movie yeah. and not pick up on any of the religious overtones in it because it it's all historical sure sure, <laughs> yeah, sure and and or you can be like me who grew up in a you know kind of very toxic religious setting that 100% believed in the satanic panic yeah and yeah. and believed that satanists were were capturing young women and impregnating them and sure. forcing them to be brides of satan yeah. that is something that people actually believed and and so i feel like there are those two different ways that someone could approach this movie. You could approach it as someone who has no context for the film sure. and because there isn't really anything in the script itself, you wouldn't know. Yeah. But for someone like me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who who grew up in the evangelical world yeah. in the 90s, it's very obvious sure for me that there are religious overtones, but it's it's all kind of in the context it, it's all unspoken, yeah. you know. No, definitely. I, uh, another another thing I was thinking as I was rewatching this film is this film. You you mentioned Stephen that this film is terrifying. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a it's an effective horror movie. It's not just it really is. It's not parody. Mm-hmm. It's not you know tongue in cheek or anything. It tries to be scary, and it succeeds. You know, but for me, at the same time, for some reason, this movie is kind of comfort food uh if that makes sense like I, absolutely you know what i mean um and i'm, I'm curious about what yeah. that sort of element is i think you know 
it's sheer atmosphere. You know, there's not much of a plot. There's not a ton of character development. You don't know much about this girl other than she's kind of like, you know, a typical 80s kind of almost asexual type of uh, yeah. character. Sure. Um, and she goes into a house because she needs money. You don't know much about the family until the third act, right? Yeah. Um, or the, the people who br- brought her in. The movie's just about creating an atmosphere that just feels spooky and that spookiness i know will and i we share this kind of uh love for halloween like probably most people do sure but there's just something i think comforting about the fact that it's not just plot gore heavy character development no it's just a young girl walking through a house long zooms down the hall you know it's 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 just vibe and atmosphere yeah for the most most of the movie and so well constructed yeah, like no, absolutely. It, it's so bizarre to think that I would actually sit and watch and enjoy like I don't know two hours, how I however long <laughs> yeah. this movie is yeah. of of just long shots down corridors, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and peering around door frames and whatnot. Yeah. But it it works really, really, really just effectively. Just feels really good. Yeah, um, it does. And I think upon, you know, when you when you first watch it, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, however many times we've watched it at this point, it is more comfort food. But the first time you watch it, I think the reason it works is because of Megan, Greta Gerwig's character. Sure. You yes. know, right away, that first jump scare of, oh, you're not the babysitter? Yeah. No, boom. <laughs> she gets, spoiler yeah. alert, <laughs> she gets her head blown off in the car. So at that point, you realize... This isn't just a, I wonder if something bad's going to happen. Something bad will happen. Yeah. And then after that, she's in the house, like her friend's dead. She The first thing she does is she calls her friend. Her friend doesn't answer. The audience knows something's going on. Going on and she doesn't really know anything's going on until the very end of the movie. Sure. Yeah. She, she, and that, I think that's why it works. Like she yeah. goes up to a door, you see the door once. Uh, I'm not going to open up that. She goes down. You forget about it. She goes to the door one more time. I think I'm going to open that door. She doesn't open the door, (laughs) but then Ty shows us what's on the other side of that door. Yeah, right. She still doesn't know, but we see corpses on the other side of the door. So like the whole time- In a pentagram with eyes gouged out. Yeah. Yeah. So you're leaning forward the whole time, and but she's relaxed, and beca- I think sure. because she's relaxed, there is a comfort to that. Interesting. If that makes sense. Sure. So he does this. In, speaking of the the corpses behind the door yeah. and lying in the pentagram with their eyes gouged out, <laughs> there's something about the gore in this movie yeah. that is there. There isn't anything remarkable about it. Yeah. But the way it is set up, it is so extraordinarily upsetting. And I don't really know why that is. But but Ty West did the exact same thing. It has the, the same level of visceral horror mm. in The Innkeepers. Oh, yeah. At the wow. very end of The Innkeepers. Yeah. yeah. That is absolutely just chilling and horrific. Yeah. And I think it's because he he's such a master of building up suspense so that now then when you do finally see a bit of blood yeah, yeah. it's it is real bad it feels bad even yeah. if it isn't visually that awful sure and i think the other side of that is it's suspense mixed with like completely ordinary kind of like this this girl yeah. samantha is completely ordinary right yeah. she's not kind of over sexualized she's not like super stylized she's very stylized but right through the lens of like legitimate 
ordinary 80s like not much happens mm-hmm. to these characters they sure. kind of sit and wait yeah. and because they're comfortable sitting and waiting we're comfortable sitting and waiting <laughs> and i think in this world he's created as soon as you see something that's like that kind of visceral yeah. i think that it plays against that that sense of sure nothing happens in this world this ordinary world if that makes yeah, sense. yeah i mean it does and mm-hmm. and i'm curious uh like so this was one as i listened to a couple of podcasts where they were talking about this just to get some different perspectives and so forth and i heard some people actually criticize the film on this point um and i know this is sort of if you're going to criticize this film this might be one of the ways to do it is to say this is this goes beyond a slow burn and essentially just nothing happens which is that and i don't feel this way but i'm saying you know does this go beyond does this become boring um does this ever become boring or not i I had heard i heard someone else make the critique that um it actually doesn't help that the audience knows something that she doesn't know um it would be better if the audience was on her journey and didn't know about the corpses behind the door until the end until the third act and the and the satanists get revealed or whatever blah 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 and and I don't feel that way myself. I think the dramatic irony works really well to where yeah. we as the audience become more and more tense even as she and we that sort of creates that classic horror movie sort of get out of there. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, even though she really has no reason to. Like from her perspective we can understand that everything does seem it seems a little creepy but there's nothing like you know there's no reason to call 911. She doesn't have an emergency yeah. when she calls. I think if it were told from her perspective it would be even more boring yeah (laughs) that it already is because (laughs) so little happens no No, that's very that's very true that's a very astute point Um, i mean i think that i i think that different things scare different people yeah and so i think whether this movie is boring or not yeah depends entirely on whether you've had a terrifying home alone experience or a creepy oh. home alone experience yeah. because i think that there there's there are times when i watch horror movies and and i realize that they're capturing and capitalizing and building a single really intense common emotion yeah like when you are and and what this movie does i think is it it takes that feeling of when maybe you're a kid in school and your parents leave and you're just in the house and there's just that mild feeling of weirdness yeah right and creepiness and that's it that's the whole movie that is the entire movie (laughs) and so whether you (laughs) like just the until of course the the final act where the satanists are revealed and suddenly it gets all bloody and terrifying yeah and so either that either that experience scares you or it doesn't and if it scares you then this movie is 100 percent there for you (laughs) like you it terrifies you but if if you're not that person then then this movie will be boring because and i think (laughs) and i remember you know like have being home alone for hours at a time Mm -hmm. and just getting this weird uneasy creepy feeling yeah where it's like it's mild enough that you can just kind of ignore it but it's it's still palpably there and it's uncomfortable and it's unsettling for sure that's 
what this movie is all the way through yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and so different things are different things are scary to different people yeah and i think that entirely determines what's boring and what's not yeah well and and for those of us who understand that feeling right of being at home i mean i still get i'm in my 30s i still get that feeling sometimes you know if i'm home by myself or yep. something but it's kind of you will hear a bump it, or yes, something exactly and, you know it's the nightmare scenario though where all of those feelings are justified <laughs> because you're about to be murdered yeah. by cultists, mm. you yeah. know, that kind of thing. No, I think that's a, I think that's a great point. Different things are, are scary to different people. That, that leads me to another thing that I wanted to bring up, which is, uh, I think, on our podcast anyway, this is the first film that we've talked about that we've alluded to films in this genre, but this film is definitely an example of mumblegore movies. Um, we're into the mumble gore. We're into the mumble gore. I don't know, Stephen, if you have, have heard of this sort of sub sub genre before. Yeah. I don't know what other movies I've seen yeah. that fall into it. I know that this movie is mumble gore. Yeah. But I don't know if any of the other movies I've seen are <laughs> mumble gore. Sure. sure. Uh, yeah. It's a blurry line. Um, yeah. Okay. If you look up, I've done this before. I'm going to do it real <laughs> quick just for, just for uh, tickles. But, yeah. Uh, sure. If you look up Mumble Gore on Wikipedia, a bunch of movies come up that you wouldn't think of. Oh, but you know, uh, uh, Creep would Creep, be one. Yes, yes, yes. No, Creep is definitely Absolutely. one of those. Creep is great. Um, Creep is wonderful, yeah. Um, the Innkeepers pops up, I sure. know. Um, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And The Innkeepers, uh, I think, does for the 90s what house of the devil did like they never straight up say it happens in the 90s but that movie is so 90s that's Um, very interesting uh, for me for whatever reason the innkeepers holds an even specialer place in my heart than house of the devil i'm not sure why Mm. interesting it just feels like uh like a haunted house clerks movie or something but like (laughs) dialed down Um, yes and and i I, i'm just a, a a sucker for paranormal kind of ghost stories me too but uh no i think what uh the innkeepers feels like a night well, rewind take two i think ty uh west does for the 90s with the innkeepers that uh house of the devil did for the 80s interesting yeah i can see that yeah. what did you think of the sacrament to uh, totally i haven't seen the sacrament. different okay the, the, the sacrament yeah. i never want to see it ever again i don't either yeah because it is fucking traumatizing yep. And it yep. is so devastating and such a realistic yes. portrayal of Jonestown. I mean, it is, yeah, it is Jonestown beat for beat. Um, it is Jonestown but, yeah. beat for beat. And they capture the those last. Yes. Yes. Those last hours of Jonestown so horrifyingly well that I just have no need so, to ever see yeah, it ever I, again. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'll watch it. Um, yeah. Just because I'm a Ty West fan. I've, seen it's worth watching it is um but i think i've heard i've heard more about the sacrament than i've actually like seen obviously i haven't seen the movie but i'm a nerd and i've listened to him on a lot of podcasts Mm -hmm. and for him making the sacrament was actually really difficult you know uh Mm -hmm. it was more of a found footage thing so um i think his in was oh i have this story idea i can hire all my friends as actors uh one of the actors will be a dp so he'll be actually be shooting and like you know, on a technical level, this is going to work. But at the end of the day, he's like, it was one of the, like the heaviest, like living with this thing for a year and making this thing. Like all the people in the movie were having a lot of fun. Sure. Cause like, but he was like living in it. Right. So yeah. like, it was a really difficult thing. So he's been quoted saying that the sacrament is the reason why he realized that like the movies are magic 
and there's a magic to the innkeepers and there's a magic to house of the devil that's there's there's it's a step removed from realism right Yeah. yeah yeah and that's something that i love about those movies is like you never you don't watch house of the devil and and think of real kind of satanic panic satanists doing this thing right like you 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 know better it's more of just kind of having fun with the spookiness of the idea versus this terrible thing that could happen yeah 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 that makes that did happen that did happen yeah Yep. Yeah, I mean, th- th- and that's that's part of the thing. Like the the actual, you know, if you were gonna do a real scary story about the satanic panic, it would be oh, someone was falsely accused and they used junk evidence to convict them and sent them, you know, and ruined their entire life. Like that's <laughs> the real horror story, the satanic panic, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, this looking at yeah. looking at this, this is the fun mythological story of, <laughs> of the satanic panic. You know, right. I mean, it is it's terrifying and it's scary when you're watching the movie, but at the end of the day, this is mythology so um yeah. so that makes it that gives you that sort of artistic or aesthetic well, I, distance yeah. you know i think you have to watch this movie through the lens of a wink right yeah, it's, yeah sure. you know i i think taking something like what a lot of like evangelical christians think of as a satanist sure taking that um what am i trying to say um Taking that, yeah, taking that that evangelical vision of what a Satanist is and just having fun with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I I, th- I think I think you have to. I think it's problematic to try and make a movie that felt s- like a serious take on Satanism in that way. Mm. Um, if you're if you're trying if he if his goal is to uh, try and make people afraid of Satanists, right? I don't think that's what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. This brings up an interesting topic for me. Because someone recently asked me, so does it ever upset you that all of the media portrayal of Satanists is negative? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Satanists are always the villains. Satanists are always the 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 scary evildoers and the <laughs> sacrificers and whatnot. Sure. And uh, no, it really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. I Because I think... Th- that you know symbols are subjective and symbols can mean many different things mm-hmm. but it but there is a dissonance there is this tension where it's like all of these movies with satan or or satanism that i absolutely love are movies that portray satan and satanism in a very negative light yeah yeah <laughs> as as dark and evil and whatnot and and that's the, a it's a it's just a weird tension yeah, yeah. um that i'm not entirely sure how to resolve but it's just there and i think it will continue <laughs> sure. to be there yeah well and that's and that i mean that's that's uh that's an interesting point i'm glad you brought it up which is which is that when i ask you know i was like hey think about this think, think about some media we could talk about that it has a sort of satanic bent to it and this one comes up and it's this is a paradigm example of sort of you know representations of satanism and pop culture and that type of thing and it's and yes. so i i find it interesting that from a satanic perspective, an actual real satanic perspective, if there was a movie, it seems like if there was a movie in which Christians were being represented as the Satanists are being represented in this movie, right? Most Christians would be, <laughs> would right? I mean, she shows up and there's a bloody cross drawn on the, they on the would floor. They up <laughs> in arms. Right, of but, course. And, and yeah. I haven't seen the sacrament, but is it, isn't that kind of, you know, he... Well, interesting. Yeah, that's you know, he, he took, that's, I think that's the other page, is that this isn't real, this is real. Like, this happened. Uh, that is, yeah, and, sure. and the, and Jim Jones yeah. was very much a, um, 
I mean, I mean, he was a very, very popular careerist politician, yeah, a political yeah. preacher who was yep. very popular, and and he was not far outside the mainstream, especially at first, you know. And I and so I think that all of this examining of symbols, and this is just something that I'm acutely aware of as someone who thinks and writes and talks about satanism and the symbol of satan all the time mm-hmm. is uh and i think lucian greaves um who's the founder of the satanic temple he he said this somewhere and, and we talked about this in an interview i did with him recently where evil done in the name of christ is still evil and good done in the name of satan is still good sure and being able to play with these symbols yeah <laughs> being being able to see these symbols as subjective yeah is important because then it doesn't trap them in this binary of, of perfectly good or perfectly evil. And sure. so I think that's why I, as a as an actual religious Satanist, and a, am able to look at this movie and still enjoy it because sure. I understand that these symbols are subjective. Yeah. And then the symbol of Christ can be just as destructive and, and evil. Sure, yeah. And I mean, t- to some extent, that, that taking on of the of the, you know, symbol of Satan or Satanism uh, even, right, is sort of, doing that is is part of the trying, the attempt to sort of uncouple uh, sort of any sort of mythic structure from any sort of ethical structure, right? There is nothing inherently ethical about any particular mythical structure. Um, exactly. They can all be used for good things or bad things. It doesn't, and that's one of the lessons of the satanic panic and of the witch trials and all this kind of, this conspiratorial thinking from beforehand, right, is that just saying that someone is associated with a particular mythological structure does not count as evidence against them. I mean, this is the sort of the whole thing, right? Exactly um, right. <laughs> so sort of, you know, in the actual satanic panic oh no these daycare workers are involved in satanism well i guess we don't need any more evidence let's just put them in jail um that kind of thing and so i forget exactly how that linked in with what it was that we were talking about (laughs) but i know it i know it was where i was going so yes yes i think you're exactly right about that sure and it's weird to me that i don't know it it is a it is a bizarre experience to love movies that have a representation of satan Mm -hmm. um and and uh yet that image be you know a depiction of evil and so but i think that the aesthetics of it or the symbol is not inherently evil it is just the 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 context of the narrative that makes it evil sure um like another great movie that comes to mind is the devil's candy which is oh interesting Fantastic movie that involves. Yeah, I've never, I haven't seen oh, one. you you must watch it. It's great. It's another really, really, really good little um, kind of indie horror film. Cool. Yeah. Very. Yep. Cool. I have to check that out. So another thing I want to bring up, as long as we're talking about this, and we, uh, as long as we're talking about this film, and we talked about you know mumble gore and all this. Greta Gerwig, fantastic, fantastic in this movie. She plays. Yeah, she is. And I forget her name. I forget her character's name. Megan. In the film. Megan. Okay. Yes. Thank you. The the fun thing about Greta Gerwig in this movie, um, you know, when when she's first introduced, she's she's at the pizza shop eating pizza, right? Yeah. And it's it's a fun way to foreshadow the pizza shop later with the extra anchovies and her being drugged through the pizza and yeah. all that kind of stuff yep. but uh the director basically his direction for her when she was eating the pizza was just make it really gross looking <laughs> <laughs> so when she's eating the yeah. pizza she, she, she's kind of talking through it and 
you know, chunking <laughs> through it. Yeah. He's, he's just like, grosser, just make it gross. And she's yeah. just kind of in, in, you know, goes for it. Dude, that tracks um, so well. That makes so much right. sense in retrospect because she pulls it, it off. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And, Whereas but, to me, it just hurts yeah. because that is sure. so much. Un- there is so much uneaten pizza <laughs> yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Very and true. It's, it causes me as a voluptuous bear who loves pizza. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I am mortified. <laughs> uh, should we yeah. should we get pizza after this? Oh yeah. <laughs> I I just had some yesterday, and I'm trying really hard not to just eat pizza every single day in quarantine. That's that's a challenge. Like that is my one life goal yeah. right now is to just I, uh, not eat pizza every day. That is the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I had a I had a with with my snacking, I had a I haven't told anyone this other than Tiff because <laughs> and now you're she, about to tell yeah. everyone. And now I'm go. about to tell everyone. This is this is the lowest <laughs> point of my quarantine. It has nothing to do with pizza, it has everything to do with snacking and okay. eating. Yeah. I might have purchased on Amazon a four-pound bag of hot tamales. <laughs> a four-pound bag? It said four pounds, Dude. and it's like 10 bucks, and I'm like, it can't be that. It's you worth guys, it. It's large. Dude, that's great, man. And I'm having, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm having to slow Here's down. Here's the thing. Like, Here's the thing. If while you are snacking on, on it, you are lifting the bag, it probably equals out. Because no, I'm not lifting enough. that bag. It's too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> that bag is nested in my lap it like a trough. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, anyway, very good. But yeah, so yeah. she. Uh, but but that also. <laughs> now I'm steering that. Normally, Stephen, I like to derail it, and which I just did. Just don't get me wrong. I just I just took the train off the trash. Sure. But it's usually Will who brings it back in. But sure. I'm bringing myself back hey, in. Great this job, time. Man. Good job. But uh, pizza, I mean, but just the thought that he had like his, he he had a take on how she should eat the pizza yeah. and it's not random. It's yeah. let's put a weird taste for pizza in people's mouths yeah. right away Yeah, because that pizza is later going to yeah. be even grosser, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and the, yeah. The, the, the play later where they never, I mean, she doesn't, you know, sort of have exposition to herself when she's at the house by herself about how the pizza that she orders tastes bad, but just the effectiveness of showing her like rinsing her mouth and kind of yeah, moving her tongue around out, her teeth, yeah. you know, it, get, it makes you go, oh, like, you know where the pizza came from. You don't fully as an audience member understand exactly why it tastes bad yet. And, sure. uh, but you know, something's off. But, I found that incredibly effective. Yeah. And even when, you know, first, First of all, what's what's uh, Mr. Ullman? Is, yeah, is, Ullman. is are, are mm-hmm. the Ullmans? Yeah. First of all, he's he's magnificent. Yes. Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan. Yes. Is is so good in this movie. Yes, he is. Um, there are also two veteran scream queens in yes. this. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I can't remember that. I can't remember either of their I will, names. But I will he, look for their names. But yes, he brought um, one of them out of retirement. To Mary Warrenoff. Yes, mm, that's okay. right. All right, um, yep, yep. And she she had done a bunch of stuff. Um, I had I had it. The was looking at the list yesterday, and I've heard him actually talk in interviews about how basically he had to continue to. He got her number, like the director, oh, wow. and he, had, he kept <clears throat> calling her, saying, "Listen, like I know you're not doing this thing anymore, but I have this idea, yeah. and like I'm going to do it my way, and it's going to be <laughs> you know like this." And sure. she's going to be like, "I don't know," but eventually, <laughs> just because you know he was he was you know very kind of confident yeah. and. 
um, knew the movie he was making, she eventually ended. Oh. She agreed to do it. Yeah, wow. She was in. Um, uh, she was in Chopping Mall, nineteen eighty six. Yes, was she, she was. Chopping Mall? Fantastic robot death mall movie. Um, wow. Yeah, she I was. didn't realize that was her. Yep. She was apparently had a bit part in Dick Tracy, nineteen ninety, and a couple other several several sort of gore sounding movies right. that I'm not aware of. Silent, Silent Night, Bloody Night is on there. Uh, gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. hope you've seen Silent Night. Oh, was it Silent Night Bloody Night or Silent Silent Night Deadly it Night? It was a Bloody Night. So okay, I'm not, I'm not aware Silent of that. Night Deadly Night yeah. is a piece of pure <laughs> cinema. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I, I remember the. Seen co- it. I remember the cover of that from my days in the VHS store when I was a child, like walking around looking for movies to rent. I remember <laughs> Silent Night Deadly Night, where uh, Santa's yeah. arm is sticking out of a chimney and it's got an axe in its hand. It's, uh, yeah. It's the best. It is so (laughs) horrifically bad and obviously a product of someone's personal vision that should never have seen the light. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other, the other uh, uh, sort of classic actor that he has, and there's Dee Wallace, who plays the landlady at the beginning. Yeah, um, she was in apparently The Hills Have Eyes, uh, the original Hills Have Eyes. So. Okay. So confession, I have still not seen The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, interesting. I'm not a terribly large Wes Craven fan. Oh, interesting. Okay. I sure. don't. I don't know why. I. Yeah. yeah I. I think I like I, Wes Craven I liked, better than that film in particular. But yeah. Um, well, I I liked, um, of course, I loved Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. but then everything else, I'm just kind of meh. Sure, yeah, it's okay. That's it's fair fine. enough. That's fair enough. I think um, The Hills Have Eyes has a very particular sort of, if you like that kind of um, r- rural sort of hillbilly cannibal aesthetic, then maybe that's a film for you. But otherwise, you know, that's not a particularly an aesthetic that I'm like, into. Sounds like my neighborhood. It sounds like <laughs> sure. um, the cannibal meth clown <laughs> sure. who I who I share the street with. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a big. Uh, I I haven't seen. I'm I'm not like a, I've seen all the Freddy movies like I've I I saw you know the 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 first one the best one yeah um yep. and uh I I saw some of like New Nightmare but I thought just the 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 concept was really interesting yeah but New Nightmare um Wes Craven I think walks hand in hand with Scream Wes Craven in the sense that like there's definitely an a, a, an awareness to what he's making at this point like it's it's yeah. you know scream the whole idea is that like there's a there's a the whole movie is a big wink right yeah um yes. he's winking to the fact that you know we've all seen scream right yeah, yeah. um yep. but new nightmare if you haven't seen it like it starts like uh it's like a movie within a movie kind of thing i think that's the the west crave right it's there that sort of meta idea well, and as long we're not here to talk about Wes yeah, Craven. Well, as long as we're as long as we're talking about uh, actors in House of the Devil, um, I do want to come back to Tom Noonan for just a minute because I think he's great in this, um, and he's just great more broadly. I found him really effectively off-putting and uncanny in this film. Yeah, I don't know how you all felt about his performance? He's weird and creepy and soft-spoken. Yeah, and awkward yeah. and so, it, yes. Yeah, yeah, and at the same time, and kind of my, genteel. Yeah, yeah. My 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 read of the character was, I felt sorry for him. Interesting. Um, I felt like um, he'd spent his entire life trying to prove himself to like the people around him, right? Interesting. And I, I go into character like I'm a character guy. You know, just just the the first of all, like he's trying so hard. He's like, I have to find a girl for tonight. This is really important. <laughs> 
please, right? <laughs> and then and then as soon as they leave for their he and his wife leave for their quote unquote date or wherever they're going, yeah. like he said, Now, I know you didn't believe me, but I told you I was gonna pull through on this, right? And like there's this whole sense of like she's been mo- saying, You're not gonna do this. Yeah. You're not gonna get this yeah. done. You're you can't do this. And he's just trying so hard to and he's like, I did it, right? And then at the very end um, he gets stabbed first and it's like, oh, like, but he's, he, I know he's doing this terrible thing to you, but he's kind of like, yeah. he just feels genuine about it. Sure. And then, and, and then, you know, she, you know, she, he's like, listen, you can shoot me. Like, this is, this thing is like, to him, this isn't this big evil thing. It's just an, this important thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And maybe it is evil. I don't know. Sure. I mean, I guess that there's, <laughs> sure. a, but I think the perspective there is like his character makes it less about good versus evil and more about like her just being part of this ceremony that's happening. Yeah. Like, you know, and then, you know, go back to the old Testament and like sacrificial things to, to, you know, the Christian God, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, anyway, going back to his character, like he, he's like, listen, you can shoot me. Like, this is really important to me. And then she like pulls the gun to her head and he's, he just seems really like, yeah, very distraught and his character just is there's a softness to him yeah um, and i think that in the context of this movie comes off as really creepy yeah which i think is really effective and really really powerful yeah. yeah yeah so basically what i'm hearing is that there should be another movie that's like a mumblecore <laughs> wicked kind of version of of oz where it's like the retelling <laughs> yeah. but it's f- about him and it's yeah. like he's this sad old man yeah. who just mumbles his way through <laughs> the movie and just can't do anything right for his domineering satanic wife yeah. Yeah. and then finally at yeah. the very end he pulls it off yeah 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 i mean i, yeah. I think that's an interesting read on that character that like <laughs> that like um and i like it i think it's probably i i mean it seems like it could have sort of you know intention behind it please stand by i don't know that there's any great way to transition it like okay guys i think i figured out why <laughs> i don't y'all can't hear the buzzing no one can they can hear the buzzing you're yeah. not gonna hear the buzzing yeah. in the audience sure so did so I, I i didn't know this i i remember it from the ninja turtles how like extra anchovies was always just like a gross anchovies gross sure. extra anchovies apparently yeah. it's a thing yeah. to it where thing. extra anchovies can mean a few different things in in one sense it can mean like uh like mushrooms right or or huh. putting something like that on your pizza the other thing is the delivery uh person offering extra anchovies will then uh, also deliver sexual favors. Oh, interesting. I thought you were, you were going to oh, say they would like well, I will, I will definitely take extra anchovies. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that being said, that's something I, I didn't realize until I kind of looked it up. So yeah. when he says extra anchovies, like I think the intention oh. there is to to make it feel creepy in some way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's... Huh. But what he does deliver is extra anchovies being a drugged pizza. Being yeah, murder. Being well, <laughs> murder. Well, now that just adds a whole new layer to my pizza fetish. Yeah. <laughs> like the only thing that could make pizza better is if it's yeah. like uh like like some gorgeous dirty pizza hunk <laughs> at the door delivering pizza. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and he says, "Do you want do you want extra anchovies with that?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes, please." Yeah. And then he comes in. You call, yeah. You just call when you're not even uh, extra anchovies. Hold the pizza. I, I put all the know? cats in the back so they don't <laughs> so they don't see any indecency there because they're children. They have, they have fragile minds. Exactly. 
Yeah. Um, and they do definitely watch. They stare. <laughs> they have this this eerie, penetrating stare yeah. whenever you're doing anything extracurricular. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, especially eating is what I find. I get, I get just stared down when I'm eating anything. It's just, it's not, it's <laughs> yeah. not great. Um, I was, uh, yeah. growing up, I was, a, I was a cat, uh, person because my parents always had cats. They still have lots of cats. They just rescued a stray cat the other day that had a, uh, sorry listeners, but had a, uh, um, rectal prolapse. Oh no. Is that the correct word? It is. So I was thinking, actually funny you mentioned that because I was actually thinking, oh, that's what's going to happen with that four pound bag. <laughs> 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 but, but I was like, no, that's indecent. Oh, I shouldn't okay. say rectal that. <laughs> what are the it odds? I'm going to. comes back around. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm taking it easy. All right. I'm, I'm taking a teasy. Here. So, so you're not you're not just models. inhaling the entire bag that's, all at once. That's good, no, yes. I'm trying not to. We don't want you to um, prolapse for sure. But uh, I'm a, I'm a do- I'm a dog man now, <laughs> dog boy. Yeah, you made the switch. Yeah, for sure. I made the switch. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna do my thing and bring it back to Tom Noonan real quick. <laughs> real okay. Quick. <laughs> I, I know my role, um, and it is to bring it back to Tom Noonan because uh, yeah. I wasn't quite done just loving on Tom Noonan during oh, this episode. Oh, I'm sorry, and then I um, derailed it. No, 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 no. Uh, the technical difficulties it. derailed it. Um, but I, I was going to say, Joe, I like the take that you gave of that character that his sort of softness is kind of kind of genuine as opposed to just just to make it creepy right um, yeah i like that and then also tom noonan is just i i didn't i couldn't remember where i knew him from but i knew that i knew him the first time i saw this movie i was like oh it's that guy i like that guy um the play the two places that he showed up in my cinematic you know experience were first off he played frankenstein's monster in the monster squad and i don't know oh. if uh, y'all have both seen that movie but i have not it it was it was a great movie. It was the first it's a movie. It's must I, see. Yeah, it's a must see. It was a movie I cried at when I was a, a very young yeah. child. So he was in that, and then it's also, like a kind of like a, hor- a horror Goonies. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, and then also he was in a movie, a little movie with the former governor of the state of California called Last Action Hero. And I don't know if you guys saw that movie either. Um, I did, but it's been like probably uh yeah. 25 years he played a character called the ripper in that movie that was just this over-the-top nonsense evil bad guy with a big cool axe and uh yeah so anyway yeah <laughs> those those are he, tom noonan has a special place in my in my childhood and it was it was fun to see him in this yeah. especially in such a good so role. yeah I, I recently as in recently just a few days ago um watched uh ty west's very first movie called mm-hmm. the roost mm-hmm and it's probably the the mumble goriest movie you could imagine. It feels like it was shot like on a uh, a handy cam, like mini a DVD kind of like flip o- open the screen type camera. Sure. And it start it, it in you know the movie's about uh, this vampire kind of thing. These these you know twenty somethings who like to talk a lot going on this road trip, and then they you know run into these bad stuff. But before the movie starts. Um, there's this sequence that feels kind of like a Tales from the Crypt of Tom Noonan just walking into this in into in frame, and he's surrounded by like it feels like he's walking like through the uh, haunted mansion at Disney World oh, or something. Interesting. Um, and he's talking about the the fright you're about to see, and like uh, the framing is like uh, like four by three, but it's got like the old school like kind of rounded edges, and mm-hmm. there's flicker and yeah. like. 
So somehow Ty West had Tom Noonan uh, open up his very first movie. Wow. Um, which is uh, pretty interesting. And, and, and after watching House of the Devil, he became a much better filmmaker. Not that The Roost was bad, but it's just not yeah. an easy watch like sure. I feel like his later movies are. Yeah. That's interesting. So he sort of played in that original film, sort of had the, uh, I don't know if you remember the like uh, 1930s Frankenstein where they have they have like a host as if yeah, it were a sort exactly. of theatrical exactly you know, theater mm-hmm. presentation. Um, that's really really cool. I like that a lot. I love that. Yeah, I would yeah. love I would love to see that film. Was that a, was that a film? Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. Was that a film that like you had a, a bit of trouble finding? Like you had to find a used DVD or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, so I have the DVD if you want to borrow it. At some yeah, point. yeah. May do it. May do it for sure. Um, but that came out in like 2000. So this is the type of filmmaker where he was in film school. Um, sorry to bring it back to like that kind of nerd stuff, but he was in film school. Ty West. And, um, he, uh, I think he went to like, he, he didn't go to NYU cause he didn't have enough money. So he went to like the t- more trade version of the school and he finished the school. He, he made a few short films and I forget the guy, but, uh, a, a, a friend of his, an older kind of mentor who had some money basically said, I like your short films. I believe in you as a filmmaker. What is the, if the thing that's, that's keeping you from making a movie is money, then here's $50,000 to make your first movie. Oh, shit. Okay. And, and he's like, so you have a script, right? He said, yeah, I do. I have one that I really believe in. He's like, cool. And then he went home and he called his buddy and said, I have to think of and write a script before Monday. <laughs> um, and he did, and that was The Roost, and he made it. And it was, it was one of those things where it's like, if I don't take this opportunity to make a feature, I may never make one, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked, turned out for him, you know, even though he did go through the whole cabin fever two um, sure. <laughs> ordeal, sure. he, he became kind of like, uh, you know, I, I think he'll, he'll kind of be known as like this s- small little legend in the horror community, like, uh, at some point for the movies he made. Sure. Yeah. I really hope that he, that he has a, a, a rise like Mike Flanagan mm, right. did. Yeah. yeah. Where, you know, Mike, I, I don't know. In my mind, and this is probably totally off base, but in my mind, Mike Flanagan is kind of similar where he's, he was kind of this more small time indie sure. right. director yeah. doing really, really cool indie stuff and then was given the, the margin to do amazing stuff. And now sure. he's directing you know, the haunting of Hill house yeah. and yeah. Dr. You know, Sleep and whatnot. Yeah. And I think, I think the, the biggest difference though, is that I, Mike Flanagan's not afraid to go traditional emotional with his story arcs. That's um, true. Interesting. And I don't know that I'm going to, we're, we're going to see, Ty, I almost think Ty West is going to be a little too cool for school. <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> to, to do that. <laughs> yeah. But Mike Flanagan's like, what do you, I what think do you mean great, by that? Like, uh, can you um, give me a sort of t- like point of contact with that? So, I mean, think about house of the devil. Like, sure. uh, it's, it's, it's all about atmosphere. It's about tone. It's about yeah. vibe. Yeah. It's almost more of a, a like a, a throwback kind of pulpy kind of sure. thing. It's yeah. like, even though somehow he figures out a way for you to kind of feel for this character, it's it's kind yeah. of like on a surface level. You don't know anything about her, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Mike Flanagan, his his thing is like he's going to get, you know, you're going to learn a lot about these people. It's Their very, character yeah. pieces. Yeah, 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 you're going to feel very kind of emotionally invested in these people. Sure. Like in Haunting of Hill House is a great example. Yeah. Um, because he has a lot of time to develop the characters. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people say in the very last episode of Hill House, he goes full CW and he kind of does with his music choice (laughs) and the plot. But like, yeah, (laughs) um, that's also kind of what's great about this guy is that like he's like 
he's okay to like deliver you just just some feel good stuff if if that's what you need. And, but at the same time, like he he mixes it with the medicine, right? The 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 more difficult stuff. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm, the I, last episode of Hill House will never negate the fact that that poor girl is hanging forever in eternity through that house, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Sorry, spoilers yes. for Hill House, I guess. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious. Uh, uh, I don't know exactly what Ty West has coming up, but I'm curious if that's sort of the case, right? If if yeah, if it's kind of the thing where he will be. Um, he will be what he is. Um, I would love yeah. to see. I would love to see. I mean, it's kind of the thing where I would like to see films like he is has made become yeah. more. <laughs> you know, right? Become well, bigger films, but uh, yeah. And and not to like not not to to say he's like Polanski or or anything because sure. like I don't I don't know that he's at that level, but there is a similarity between the way he he makes a movie or like think of house of the devil versus rosemary's baby there sure. i think there's a lot of yeah. similarities in the way they're shot sure. um even in the 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 occultism yeah. uh, if that's a word yeah um, kind of even ends in a similar way right yeah it's yeah. a very similar yeah. ending to rosemary's baby yeah no i mean i loved it my yeah. my brain is rapidly if, if you notice that i'm becoming quieter and quieter <laughs> through the show it's just it, it's just because i'm progressively getting more tired yeah <laughs> um well one thing one thing as long as we're talking about ty west still uh one one of the last bits that i have in my notes is ty west was 28 years old when he made this movie and that makes me very yeah. mad um how are you there are a lot t- of people God. who make me feel that way oh there are God. there are so yeah. many people who make me uh wonder what the <laughs> fuck i'm doing with my life you know yeah. and yeah. there are just as many people who like made their first like groundbreaking feature at the age of 50 sure. you know what i mean yeah, sure sure um, sure but it's so frustrating. But it's like, like you know, he <sighs> made the roost at twenty two. It's not a very good movie, but sure. you know, twenty two years 22. old, like two, like what? Yeah, what was I doing at twenty eight? Nothing. And dude. then there's uh, and then there's Alan Rickman, who yeah, I th- I think uh didn't get his break until like middle age. I believe you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. was Die Hard his sort of <laughs> sort of way in or something? Or I think his it was. Break? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, so that's a good point. But uh, I'm still frustrated because I love this yeah. movie and I'm like 28 years old. Like, yeah. Jeez. Anyway. So, <laughs> kind of as as we're winding down, I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll throw uh, I'll throw out some some f- fun stuff just tonally or whatever sure. um, that anyone can can uh, comment on if they want sure um so he chose to he chose to 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 make the movie in like a colder atmosphere mm-hmm. in like new england it has a very kind of like yeah john carpenter stephen king kind of vibe in sure. that sense yeah yeah just the cold weather um the leaves kind of falling it just feels kind of halloween or maybe a little past halloween but mm-hmm. there's just something about that that like when you're watching this movie like it doesn't feel hot like you're, you're part of the comfort is like you know I, oh i could i could watch this with a blanket on and feel good right yeah 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 no i think that's absolutely um, right it is very cozy um so that that's a thing i i uh, really enjoyed um zooms zooms are great <laughs> yep uh, yes yep. freeze frames freeze frames unapologetic yep. freeze frames that's true Blatant. every title yeah uh it's wonderful um the yeah. score um is just like so like spooky and yeah calm um mm-hmm. in a lot of time uh, i i just love the score mm-hmm. that's uh that's jeff grace jeff grace is scored i think if most of, if not all of his other movies, he did the innkeepers. Cool. He, uh, did, uh, in a Valley of violence. If you haven't seen that yet, that's hit t- Ty West version of a, of a, of a, a Western, um, which I would recommend seeing if you haven't seen nice. it. Yeah. Um, and the, the other big thing is the straight up exorcist 
flashes. Yes. Um, yeah. Are so yep. effective in yep, this yep. movie. Um, and I, I, th- I think I'm really surprised at how effective it is because when the third act happens, you're already thinking, okay, nothing much has happened in this movie yet, sure. right? I'm not thinking that. A lot, has, a lot has happened. And Joe Bob will tell you, come on, <laughs> everything's happening in this movie. Sure. But when you hit the third act, like, okay, she's tied up. It's creepy. There's lots of different shots and angles around her to kind of build that kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. Um, she's surrounded by these super creepy people wearing these hoods and just just the atmosphere is just completely different than than what we've seen prior Mm -hmm. and then she really kind of quickly gets out of the ropes and then she's just kind of out yeah um and then she's running right and then these big kind of music splash moments of these exorcist style frames um yeah just putting you the audience kind of inside of the head of the um uh Samantha uh, I thought was probably the most in a horror like kind of kinetic horror thing was probably the most effective thing yeah for sure no I like that a lot I love this the um I like the flashes I like the set piece um at the end obviously a really nice cool creepy creepy ass set piece I also like and am curious about your all's take on is that grandma at the end is that who she was there to babysit? The I strange face. So yeah, yeah, I, I okay. think so. I think yeah. so. I thought so as well. But just just seeing if that strange was face, yeah, the same the same read that you guys had. But yeah, <laughs> those little flash shots of that face, uh, very very effective. Yeah, I like that a lot. And the um, and the yeah. strobing moon, yes. was awesome as yes. well. Yes, yes, um, yeah. And you have this sort of whole astrological angle that we didn't even really talk about that much. But that's that's a cool little plot bit um, that plays yeah. into some of the sort of. <laughs> And the fun little Satanism that's going on. Yeah, and the fun little uh the the news anchor bit at the end where it said <laughs> yeah. and then the the, the eclipse uh exited <laughs> faster than <laughs> physically possible and <laughs> scientists say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so quick question mm-hmm. were either of you raised in evangelical settings? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or did you grow up with people in the church warning you to like not go out or to be really careful (laughs) during you know the winter solstice and the summer solstice and the full moon and the eclipse and so not to that because that's when the witches are out and about maybe it was more pronounced in this area because Asheville is such a witchy place like I can promise you I am the least (laughs) I am not the most bizarre thing walking down the street in Asheville sure 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 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh and so it is a very witchy pagan place yeah mm-hmm. and has been for years and years and so may i think it, it that had all the christians or all the more evangelical christians in my area super spooked and so they were they were always like now don't go driving up on the parkway at night that's where the yeah. satanists do their yeah. do their sacrificing totally. um that's interesting that is, yeah no yeah. this was this was very real for for me that's this was it was so real yeah. and um, you know, they would pray against the covens. You know, they would have these prayer meetings and pray against the witch covens yeah. during Halloween. I mean, just, wow. just the, yeah. the craziest shit. Yeah. That's always so, something that's so, sort of fascinating to me because, like, in my in my day-to-day life, like, I'm a religious studies scholar. I teach that at, like, uh, universities and stuff like that. And so it's always kind of fun to see these sort of representations, like, whether it's in House of the Devil, the film, or whether it's in those examples that you're talking about from your actual life. Like, th- those folks 
presumably there is no consistent it's not like the christians under those particular christians understanding of whatever this other is whether it's satan satanists or witches mm-hmm. or whatever they presumably they don't think oh they have sort of a coherent metaphysics and doctrinal structure and all this stuff it, it always seems to me just kind of a hodgepodge of any sort it of is. any it, sort of occultist anything that seems weird or scary we just kind of throw all that in a pot it's all the same stuff right <laughs> yes is, is well cool. my favorite example of that actually is um i've heard far right people who i have been friends with in the past talk about how there is a collusion between radical islam and lgbt (laughs) um because they're both anti-god and how there is somehow a collusion between (laughs) obviously the the lgbt activists connect the dots man and isis (laughs) yes and and so oh, wow. there are these bizarre they they see these bizarre alignments of power where sure. there are none sure. and and they see these bizarre kind of alliances where there are none and so suddenly you know the progressive humanists and the witches are yeah. <laughs> are suddenly in allegiance yeah sure 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 it's all uh in group out group kind of thinking and so Exa- that's all, all it is all and the out groups are the same in, the entire know. out group yeah. has yeah the entire out group just becomes this sure. one gigantic amorphous menace sure yeah and if <laughs> i mean if anything sort of fundamentalist islam in many of its uh manifestations is incredibly pro-god <laughs> if anything right oh yeah <laughs> so um, um, intensely so yeah no the, so that's fascinating and and uh, I always think that's interesting of sort of yeah don't go there I mean you, you talking about that example is super fascinating because it's sort of don't go there because that's where the witches are and also the Satanists and there's a mm-hmm. sort of you know what I mean it lines up yeah. and they're also into astrology because that's not us either and so um, sure. all these kinds of things yeah. and you know just to add icing on, on the cake right now there are a yeah. lot of people who kind of feel like they've been given permission to go uh full throttle with those kind of ideas sure Um, okay so here's the thing Mm -hmm. i manage a grocery store Mm -hmm. if i hear another goddamn redneck conspiracy theory about (laughs) coronavirus oh my goodness (laughs) about the coronavirus which is how some people say it and that just fills me with such delight not that (laughs) not i mean and that's okay i mean i um, you know, and, and actually I shouldn't do that because I was just complaining previously on one of my shows about making fun of how people talk. So I, sure. I want them to, I want leftist rednecks just butt fucking each other yeah. and, and being pink commie leftists <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I want them on my side. Sure. I, I want to yeah. contaminate the entire world, including the rednecks. <laughs> with degenerate leftism and that is my one mission in life so i want to bring them on board i don't want to push them away yeah that said um there have been so many it it, it's gotten worse in the past week actually Mm. uh at the store Mm -hmm. where it feels like every (laughs) other person Mm -hmm. has been a conspiracy theorist of some stripe yikes every other i mean it's been nuts and and i'm like I am not paid <laughs> to yeah. deal with this right now. Yeah. Um, and, and so like I'm put into this weird, awkward position at work of, of being 
on the job, having to practice good customer service sure. and people wanting to talk to me about these crazy anti-science delusions yeah. and just not being prepared for that. I do yeah. not know how to navigate no, that. that. <laughs> that's all sorts of emotional labor that I imagine you are not compensated for. So. I am. <laughs> oh, it, it's really like being a social worker. Sure. I mean, this, sure. this yeah. one, and people tell you things that are just entirely not consensual. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah that are really some of it is really hilarious like this old woman came up to one of my cashiers the other day and and she's a bit batty i think she did a bit too much acid back in the day and sure. she never fully recovered sure but she just out of the blue was like you know, I slept with a lot of married men when I was your age. <laughs> and then and then a few days later, she came okay. through my line when I was at the register and she was like, so do you think we landed on the moon? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and wow. these are just that those are the normal conversations. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> those, those are the conversations when that that don't relate to the coronavirus sure yeah 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 i mean that's fascinating so, so, <laughs> anyway yeah it's great it's every day is yeah. an adventure yeah so i mean it's it, it's it's not to you know to to be in my place again and 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 draw this back in it's sort of in that context you're you're dealing with the public day in and day out it probably doesn't stretch your imagination that much that something like the satanic panic could happen right where you no, have not all, at all. <laughs> this big it does not stretch my imagination <laughs> at yeah. All. Yeah. But also just knowing what I know about human psychology. Sure. Yeah. And how group reinforces belief yeah. and how fragile our beliefs are. Yeah. And um how how fragile the human mind is. You yeah. know, we think that we are this perfectly <laughs> that the mind is this perfectly clear window out onto reality oh, and yeah. it is the absolute opposite of that (laughs) (laughs) it is and we are so glitchy and so prone to delusion and we have to we have to be so careful about what we believe um and even if we know all of that about the human mind we are still prone to still not good at it and so it, it so you know just talking to all the people that i've talked to for the show growing up in a fundamentalist religious household um and then working with the public yeah, no. It I'm I'm actually really alarmed by people who just keep saying, you know, by our fellow atheists and and secularists and humanists and yeah. whatnot, uh, who just keep saying, Oh, you know, the religious right or, or <laughs> radical religious whatever, it's it's dying. Yeah. It's going away. Yeah. You know, per progress and humanity, and I'm like, you, you have zero yeah. understanding yeah. of how deeply ingrained sure. these glitches are in human nature. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. But that is that is a topic for my show <laughs> and not yours. Yeah, well, this is technically your show, so you know that is that um, is true. Yeah, it yeah. is our show. It's our show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, in in the in the interest of of bringing our discussion about House of the Devil in for a landing, do you guys want to, Stephen? I don't know if you've heard this on our show, but typically we will rate uh, on a ten point scale uh, at the end. We'll rate uh, whatever it is that we're discussing. So, um, would you guys like to rate House of the Devil? Sure. Um, 
You go first. Cool. I need to think about this. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. that sounds good. So um, <laughs> I absolutely love this movie. Uh, it's one of my favorites. I think it's, well, we talked about all this, but I think it's vibey. Um, it's a good, like, for me, it's like I'll, I work from home, like I grade papers and prep lessons and this kind of thing. Um, and so when I'm doing that stuff, I'll put something on the background, usually a movie. This is a great background movie because it's not, yeah. you know, it's not incredibly distracting because it is a sort of slow burn. It's atmospheric, et cetera. It has all the sort of, you know, Joe, you talked about this. It's sort of Halloweeny type scary and that's just that's the world I fucking live in and it's spooky it's spooky yes exactly and so all <laughs> that said um, I'm gonna rate it highly I'm not gonna give it a perfect 10 because you know it's not my favorite movie of all time or anything um, but I do love it so I'm gonna I'm gonna land at a 7.5 out of 10 and this is another thing we do Stephen we always rate it uh, in in whatever type of item. With- is with decimals no no yeah okay you can do, you can do decimals you can do anything you want but um so <laughs> i'm at <laughs> 28 exactly let's get very specific so i'm gonna give it um i'm going to give it 7.5 out of 10 corpses with their eyes gouged out that's that's gonna be what i'm gonna solid get. so yeah solid 7.5 oh, out of 10 very good okay so I'm, I'll, I'll go next go i'll give it. you a little bit more time so um I, I, so for me, I think the, the, the most problematic thing about a movie like this mm-hmm. um, is just the, the kind of religious nature of it, I guess. Um, I've, I've, uh, I, I've written uh, a couple of features at this point, and eventually I want to make my, a movie one day, right? And I have this, this kind of paranormal kind of like almost demon possession movie in mind that I want to write, Ooh. but... You know, if 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 you know if there's a demon in the movie, what does that what does that say about uh, sure. uh, uh, the what most people think of as Christianity or or how they think of God and, and those types of things? Like, sure. I just I just have some certain hangups with right. Yeah. So in that sense, like if if it if if I could only look at this movie like through the lens of just just fun kind of spooky pulpy. Mm-hmm. Spookfest, mm-hmm. then I would this this movie would be off the charts. But but beca- but because of that, that's my only hang up is that like mm-hmm. I'm not. I guess my hang up is that I'm not a hundred percent certain mm-hmm. that he's like ha- just kind of like grinning and having fun with it. Oh uh, sure. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like oh well you know it has that implicit religious backdrop to it. Even if yeah, it's it, sort of it, pointed out or something. I, I don't know what his thoughts on Satanism is. Sure, I guess yeah, is sure, my, sure, my sure. biggest hang up with it. Yeah, sure. And again, like I, I give it my own lens, and my own lens is just fun, spooky, like mm-hmm. I, I, I I can, you know, just ha- kinda have fun with it. So in that sense, I'm gonna give it and and Steven, I always do this. I always <laughs> ramble on about how like, oh, That's this okay. is my hang up, this is <laughs> my can thing. Ramble. This you is can the thing I don't like about it. He's rambling on. Yeah. But then I always like rate it really high. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, you guys complain for thirty so minutes I, and then ten yeah. out of ten. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, I'm 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 giving it eight. Nice. I'm it's giving like an it an IGN, eight. It's like an IGN <laughs> review. Yeah, like their their most recent review of Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now um, I'm an Animal Crossing Pocket Camp guy myself. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm having trouble with it though. It's the too much talking. Okay. Like I just want to just do stuff on it. And sure. it's like, I understand that. Yeah, there was too, too much, much talking in it in it for me too for that one. So you just need to get a switch and join the yeah. cult. Strange, strange critique. And join from a join of the Nook cult. Okay. He's he's very the switch. Uh, the nook. switch is like you can't get it. Yeah, it's right inflated now, prices right now. It's like seven. Thanks for nothing, Coroni. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <Am> I- <laughs> 
Well, yes, join. Uh, so when you're able to get a switch, join yeah. the Nook cult because he he's very Jim Jones. You know, like he's he's like if Jim Jones were a <laughs> raccoon. Yeah. You know, he has like that that button down shirt. He has kind of the mm-hmm. body type of Jim Jones. <laughs> and so, you know, whenever he does the morning announcements at the beginning of the game, you know, Jim Jones would always, you know, <laughs> wake up his people over yeah. the PA every morning yeah. at yeah. at uh, Jonestown. And that is what Nook does. Oh, That's God. what Tom Nook does oh, over You're the PA it so on hard the island. Right and, <laughs> and so whenever I play it, I'm like, oh, I'm in such a wonderful, adorable little cult. <laughs> And maybe there's this game mechanic, you know, yeah. way down the line where me yeah. and all of the anthropomorphic animals drink flavor aid because yeah. it, it wasn't, wasn't Kool Aid. It was not Kool Aid. Yep. For the cult nerds out there, you fucking right. know this. That's right. It was flavor aid. Get it right or pay the price. Yep. Get it right. And so maybe down the road. The game is just going to end. You know, Animal Crossing never ends, but maybe that is how it finally ends, is <laughs> all of the inhabitants, all of the adorable little animals, we all just gather in the town square and drink Fro- flavor aid and die. Froth at the mouth. Definitely. Miser- and for th- exactly. And, and shake and, and, and then collapse and die. So so I'll give it oh eight out of ten. <laughs> eight, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten extra anchovies. Extra okay, nice. Great. I like that. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll be looking you up on Animal Crossing yeah. when I get that switch. <laughs> great. Yes, you're in like my six island. months. Come visit my island. Um, I heard Elijah Wood visits people on it. Oh wow! How fun! Yeah. How how nice of him. He's and a he's great, a spooky guy. He yeah, is a spooky guy. You know, you really need to do uh, films produced by his company oh, true. Uh, Spectre yeah. Vision, Spectre Vision. Yep. Yep. you need to do Mandy you need to oh, do yes. The Color Out of Space yeah, so mm-hmm. we will that we was will. one of the that was the other movie I suggested actually yeah. was Color Out of Space but yep. maybe maybe that can be another maybe, yeah. I haven't seen it yet episode. Maybe, I'm, I'm excited in the, to see maybe it. in the future yeah maybe now, in the Spectre future Spectre Vision has, has, <coughs> has done some other fun stuff that I'd like to cover soon William yeah so. I'm down let's do it absolutely cool, cool. okay um, so with all that said I so this is this is a great horror movie but it isn't my favorite horror movie sure. and because of that I will give it eight satanic brides with their wombs <laughs> ripped out for for a sacrifice. That's excellent. Yes. Yeah. Now wonderful. Joe Bob was just so upset that she wasn't if this was if this was a an authenticating uh, movie she would be naked. She would be is what naked. He says. It's true though. <laughs> it's, it's very true. He's, he's I mean, not wrong. The yeah. the movies during the 80s and 70s were were so fucking degenerate. Yeah. And yeah. I just watched I don't know if you're watching the new season of Joe Bob but he just covered yeah. um uh blood sucking freaks Yeah, I started yeah. that but I haven't I started it yeah. but I haven't finished yeah, it. Oh, same. you need to finish it. Yeah. It's it's great. <laughs> I stopped where just, where uh where he was electrocuting the uh, the woman on the table with yep. the uh the through the nipples. Just complete degeneracy. But I think that's also like something that that's what's comforting about this movie is that you can you can get all of the fun kind of yeah. 80s stuff without just going without full. the it's degeneracy. True. It's but true. you know, yeah. I am a degenerate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. I want sure. the I want the nipple electrocuting sure. scene. Yeah. I I want that. Yeah. That's in what, every movie I watch. That's why that's why you held back those two satanic brides with their wombs <laughs> ripped. <right now, so. laughs> yes. <laughs> Jocelyn yeah. Donahue. Come on. 
<laughs> Which wasn't she just fantastic, right? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, she was great. Absolutely. And it's the type of movie where after like the first time you see it, you like you look her up to see, oh, I wonder what she looks like now that she's like, you know, Not thirty the, years older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no, this yeah, movie yeah. was made just like ten years ago. All right. Well, uh, uh let me let me say thank you, Stephen, for, for coming on. Uh it's been a it's blast. Been a pleasure. Yeah, I've loved it. Well you will be on uh again soon, hopefully, and uh, Fantastic. uh we'll do we'll do some more crossovers. And uh, I want I want you guys on my show as well to talk about um, who knows what. We'll sure. figure something out. Yeah, that sounds great. And also, thank you for having us on your show this time because technically, you know, of course, so. it's yeah. my pleasure. Really, it just has to. Really, it just has to do with the fact that I'm in a perpetual brain fog, <laughs> and I just want to not have to edit a show. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what this is about. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, check. and so I am. I am yeah. having you do all the labor. <laughs> Love it. And then I will just release the show. Sounds great. Yeah. yeah that works for there me. You go. All uh, about it. All right. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make Will edit it. It's going to be great. That's <laughs> what I'm here I've, for. I've edited one of, of, of this new podcast venture. I and, keep uh, uh, conversations on the rails and I <sighs> edit episodes. Those are my jobs. So yeah. All well right. Done. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, come back next time. And if you're one of Steven's listeners, go over and subscribe to ours as well. And if you're one of our listeners, go subscribe to Sacred Tension because, you know, obviously. Absolutely. Also, go to uh, rockcandyrecordings.com and check out all of our other shows. That's because right. uh, we also have Eleven D Life and Bible Bash and Bubble and Squeak and more shows on the way. So, yeah, we have lots of really cool stuff. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, we did it! Cool. Yay! Thank you for listening, DNN. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.